I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thanks so much for listening to my podcast. If you like what you hear, please follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and also at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy it. I'm so excited to discuss my sponsor today, which is Page One Books, because my summer book bundle is ready on pageonebooks.com. And the bundle that I've put together includes three books that I picked, uh, Montauk by Nicola Harrison, More Myself by Alicia Keys, and I Miss You When I Blink by Mary Laura Philpot, all of which have been on this podcast here. Uh, it includes a Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books, Beach Tote, a cute little library card pencil slash cosmetic case, and a water bottle for staying hydrated, plus a little... Um, thing of sun lotion. So go to page1books.com, page one with the number one. So page number one books.com and check out my page one books summer bundle. Buy it as a gift, a housewarming, if you actually go somewhere or just give it to yourself. Everybody needs a treat. We've had a long spring. <laughs> page one books.com. Hi, happy Monday. Actually, I don't like when people say happy Monday. I don't know why I said that. Anyway, welcome back. I hope you guys had a great weekend. This is the second week of my July book blast, so get excited. The first day is Advice Monday. So it's a sorted advice all day for this Monday. I hope you enjoy it and stay tuned all week. We're going to have kids books and beach reads, self-help, and more. And we're kicking it off with Advice Monday. Stay tuned. I interviewed Erin Gardner for the first time at the beginning of the pandemic and talking to her about her most recent book, Procrastivating, was just so perfectly timed as everyone and their brother was making all sorts of baked goods for the last several months. She also wrote a book called Erin Bakes Cake. She was a former pastry chef extraordinaire and owned Wild Orchid Baking Company with cakes that appeared all over, like Martha Stewart Weddings, Brides, and The Knot. And now she has The Cake Blog, where she's a regular contributor, also to Craftsy, and she has her two books. She currently lives in New Hampshire with her husband and what she calls her crazy kids. Welcome, Erin. Thanks so much for coming on Moms Now Time to Read Books. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. As I was saying to you, I love doing an Instagram live with you in the midst of the quarantine, but had so many more, I don't know, questions. I just didn't want to stop talking. So I thought we could do a whole podcast. <laughs> oh, that's great. I mean, I, I really appreciated you having me on your IG live. This is super fun too. So it, it's so nice to have like adult contact in any way, shape or form. So I'm really looking. Yeah, this is great. <laughs> Before I did this, my two little kids and I were literally in the street waiting for the UPS person. Not that we were expecting anything. And we're, and after an hour, he came and that was like the highlight of the day. So, yeah, you know, yeah. it's good times over here. <laughs> Life is, is a lot simpler now. <laughs> oh. So your latest cookbook, Procrastibaking, you're the master baker and you've helped coin this term procrastibaking. And now you have a whole cookbook about it. So how did you first like go backtrack a little and talk about how you got started in the professional baking world to get to this point? Oh, wow. Okay. Like way, way, <laughs> go way, back. Let's go way back. <laughs> way back. Yeah. So I, I actually, how far back? <laughs> okay. Well, you, you always loved baking as a kid. Baking as a kid, but I never, never saw it as a profession. And actually my first major in college was aviation. Wow. That's how I met my husband. My husband's a pilot. <laughs> no way. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. And I learned through doing that for about a year or so that I am not a pilot. 
And that's a good thing to learn about yourself if you think you're a pilot. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I enjoyed, I enjoyed it, but you know, like my husband says, it's eight hours of boredom bookended by 30 seconds of terror. (laughs) That's, it's like parenting. (laughs) It really is. Just sitting there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So aviation, so interesting. So you ruled that out. No, ruled that out. And I, I, you know, wrapped up my degree in marketing, business management marketing. And I worked in advertising for a very brief period of time. And I was selling ads to a restaurant and they were looking for a nighttime dessert plater. And I said, you know, I, I think I could do that. Like that seems (laughs) awesome. And I didn't even realize that these were jobs that I could do. And it just, It really piqued my interest. So to the chagrin of all adults around me at the time, I quit my office job and I took a job plating desserts at night and the rest was history. I worked my way up through, that was in Hartford, Connecticut, moved to Boston, worked through a bunch of restaurants in Boston and then into New Hampshire. And then I opened my bakery. I had a wedding cake shop for about seven years and made wedding cakes all over New England. And that was sort of my you know, the kind of the the big moment in my career. And then while I was doing that, I was approached to start doing other things like teaching classes on a couple uh, online platforms and doing some writing and creating tutorials. (laughs) And, you know, that sort of opened up the next phase of what I do now. Amazing. (laughs) What was was it like, like being at the top of your field, making wedding cakes and being a part of like the most special night for so many people in their lives? Um, I loved it. I really did truly love it. And I loved working with the couples and I loved learning about them and their story and seeing all the different styles, the the things that really meant something to people. But it was terrifying. (laughs) Like we said, (laughs) the terrifying side of aviation, there's a terrifying side to cake decorating. And that is that, you know, every wedding is the big night. You know, it's never not the most important day of someone's life. (laughs) You know, there's there's no do-over. So that side of it could be fun also because because there was an excitement to it. You know, bringing a cake to a venue. And of course, like you get to know all the other vendors, like the florists and the wedding planners and the banquet hall staffs and like things like that. So, you know, getting in at the time and everyone's setting up and it's kind of like this team and then you all disperse and move to the next one. And so that part, you know, it was exciting, but then also like, yeah, I probably, I, I should name an ulcer like wedding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> that they're in there. <laughs> so then what made you close the bakery and move on to other things? Well, I had my first child, Max. He's my oldest, my son. He's nine now. And he spent the first year of his life in a pack and play at the end of my work table in the bakery. And then once he got, once he got mobile, we had to move on to daycare. And then when my second was born and she's going to be five at the end of this month, I decided that it was time to put all of my efforts into those other things that had started popping up, like writing opportunities and teaching opportunities and things along those lines so that I could really be there for my kids. You know, with a husband who's a pilot, I go through stretches of time where I'm the only parent. So, you know, having the deadline, the ultimate deadline of a wedding isn't always the the best thing to have when you have two very small children. You know, Max came on lots of wedding cake deliveries with me. (laughs) It was strapped to me and I'd bring the cake in and, you know, I 
I'm glad that I was <laughs> I had enough energy to get through that point in my life. But once number two came along, I was like, mm, I think it's time to move on to the next phase, you know, and I miss things about it. But I, I love the things I get to do now, like sharing with people and, you know, being able to look back at my experiences and help people with technique and recipe and, and you know, the, the things that they can do at home to kind of enhance their own celebrations. You were looking at some of your recipes online, or I was with the kids before we we talked, and your funfetti recipe is on our to-do list now tomorrow. Well, <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great one. One bowl. Or, one bowl. You know, yeah, you don't need a mixer. Super easy. Thank you. That's like the perfect. <laughs> <laughs> those are the, the, the words you need to hear. Yes, yeah. exactly. One bowl, not too messy, very simple, full of sugar. Check. Yeah, yeah that's it. I mean, you throw a handful of sprinkles in there, and like, boom! Like everyone's happy, right? Yeah, so, so easy. <laughs> you think of it. as long as you don't mind throwing sprinkles at your kids all day, they would just be thrilled. <laughs> yeah. yeah, actually, funny story. So my youngest one day, because I have all of my like, you know, I, I work from home now, so I have a lot of supplies in my kitchen, and my oldest he could care less about sweets. He'll walk past them, but my youngest is a cookie monster, like a hardcore sugar addict. So one morning we woke up and, you know, Max was in my room. We're hanging out. And I was like, where's your sister? I haven't heard from her. And it's like way too quiet. She was downstairs and had poured herself a bowl of sprinkles and was sitting at the kitchen table, just spooning them into her mouth. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. That's like a dream <laughs> breakfast. Did you take a picture? I hope I did take a picture. Oh yeah. Gosh. I think she was like two and a half, three at the time. <laughs> doing? She was just like, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> that's perfect. <laughs> she thought she had figured out the perfect thing. <laughs> so tell me about how you ended up doing your first cookbook and how that led now to procrastinating making your next cookbook. Oh yeah. No, well I had written this. I've actually, I'm on number three now. The oh, first sorry. one. Oh no, 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 no. Cause the first one was sort of more of like an author for hire kind of situation, like where I was writing to fulfill a need, you know, for a publisher. And then Erin Bakes Cake was really like my, you know, came from my experiences and like heart and soul kind of deal, you know, and, and had the opportunity to put that that together. Kind of that book embodied where I've taken cake decorating from the high-end wedding cake world to home. So I was using a lot of those sort of classic techniques and ideas and recipes and flavors and then translating them to, you know, still kind of over the top stuff, but stuff that you could accomplish at home and that you don't need special tools for. That's something I've prided myself on with the kinds of tutorials and recipes that I write for people now and like the different publications and whatnot is I will never do anything that requires you to purchase anything that isn't already in your kitchen. I use toothpicks, foil, spoons, you know, stuff like that. And I have moved away from sort of like the traditional wedding cake elements like fondant and gum paste and that kind of stuff. And I will only use now like chocolate cookies and candy <laughs> to create decorative elements. So that book was in the spirit of that. And then this book, Procrastinating, actually was born from that book. And I had no idea that that was happening at the time. Because one of the things that I do, and now everyone knows, is when I have these projects, these big projects that I'm working on, I will bake something else, like something not on the script to kind of warm up or if I'm not feeling whatever it is I'm supposed to be doing, you know, I'll just make something fun. And so I did that one 
of the days that I was supposed to be writing for Aaron Bakes Cake. And I posted a picture of it on Instagram, hashtag procrastinating the baking I'm, suppo- I'm doing when I'm supposed to be doing other baking. And, you know, it, it, it wasn't even like that big of a post. Like a couple of my baker friends were like, oh, oh, oh I do this too. <laughs> you know, and so literally just like life moved on. Like that was a very basic post. And then about a year and a half after that, maybe around that, I get a message on Instagram, a DM from Julia Moskin from the New York Times <laughs> saying that she's writing a, an article on procrastinating and would I want to be interviewed? And of course, <laughs> so spoke with her. I, I, you know, I said some silly things because it's a silly topic and, you know, and ended up, you know, being in the article. And then my literary agent, my wonderful, wonderful literary agent, Alison Fargis, she called me and she was like, Aaron, this is a book. <laughs> I said, yeah, it probably is. <laughs> this, this could be really good. And then it was just really fortuitous. You know, the the publisher that I ended up with, Adria, the publisher who was on staff then was a procrastinator himself. So, you know, he felt a strong connection to the book. You know, my editor, Sarah, was just so enthusiastic about the project. And it was, books are, are hard because there's so much work that goes into them, but it was such an enjoyable process. And it was so, I don't want to say easy because it's not easy, but it came so naturally because it was literally just like, okay, wow, I have to just open up the floodgates and like, this is what I do when no one's looking. <laughs> and when my husband read the first draft of it, he was like, wow, this is the most you thing that you've ever done. <laughs> I was like, yeah, this, yeah, this is what this is. But that's so great. I mean, that's what they say. That's what all the, the advice is, is like, write what yeah. you know or write what no one else can write. And that's like, this yeah. is your thing that you do behind closed doors and it benefits everybody for you to tell yeah. us about it. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and writing in your voice, you know, like that's to, to really, and that's, it's challenging. You know, I, I didn't, my career was never to be a writer and that's just kind of happened in a way. So it that that part has been interesting for me. Like just, practicing writing and practicing really saying what I want to say and not saying it in a way that you think people want to hear it kind of thing. You know, it's been a learning process, but one that I'm grateful for. It's been really great. Do you have, like, what are your biggest go-to procrastive baking recipes? Like what, if you have like a huge deadline, what will we find you most likely in the kitchen baking furtively (laughs) and feeling guilty about? Um, Cookies. Yeah, because cake is my life, I turn cookies when I'm looking to like get away, you know, cookies, scones, biscuits, things like that. They're easy. They're easily shareable. My butter crunch cookies are like hands down my favorite cookies in the whole world. They're just so yummy. Yeah, no, that's why also in the book, there's a hundred recipes and the chapters are primarily broken up into like about 10 recipes each, except for cookies, which is like 20% of the book. Because I think it's a common thread through all kinds of people who procrastinate that cookies are a go-to, you know, no one will turn down a cookie and you can, well, in the before time and going forward at some point, I'm sure, you know, they're, they're shareable and you can bring them into the office or you can bring them into school and it's just a real easy bake, you know, to blow off some steam. Do you have any secrets to making the best chocolate chip cookies? Because that's my favorite food, I think, in the planet is <laughs> a chocolate chip cookie. Oh, yeah. What are the, yeah. what are your secrets? Well, I mean, I can't, chocolate chip cookies are very personal. It's probably one of the most personal baked goods, I think. 
you know, you can agree on like, oh, that's a good eclair or, oh, that's a nice something. But like chocolate chip cookie, like some people like thin and crispy, some people like chewy, some people like cakey. So I think, you know, with any style of chocolate chip cookie, I always like to underbake a little bit, like a hair, you know, I mean, obviously you don't want something that's gross or unsafe, but you know, if a recipe calls for 12 minutes of bake time, maybe I'll set it for 10 and then look at it and make the call. You know, I think with chocolate cookies, it's okay if they're a little glossy in the center, like just a hair, you know, and then you pull it out and you let them kind of finish baking on the baking sheet, you know, let that residual heat just kind of let it like get everything to set. And then if you like a softer cookie, a little bit of cream cheese is actually a great, in the soft batch style ones in the book, that's which like the cream cheese just makes it like smoother and creamier. It kind of inhibits a little bit of the gluten production. Like it keeps the structure soft inside the cookie. So that would be another good trick. Oh, and to use good chocolate, but good chocolate is just whatever chocolate you like. So if (laughs) you like dark chocolate, go for that. If you like milk chocolate, go for that, but don't feel chocolate pressure. Like just use what you enjoy the most. I've recently discovered the larger size dark chocolate Toll House chips. Oh yeah. Yeah. That that is not good. I've started like hiding them in my office <laughs> because I don't want the kids to eat them. <laughs> anyway, they're so good. So what's coming next for you? Are you going to do another cookbook? I know this is just coming out, but you know, what do you see happening in the next year or two? Yeah, no, I mean, I wish I knew. I think everyone would think right now, right? <laughs> assuming, yeah. assuming life was normal, let's pretend. If I had a crystal ball, that would be great. Yeah, no, in the future, in, like going forward, I, you know, look forward to being able to do more in-person classes, you know, things that I had scheduled that are going to be, you know, put off into the future now. I really, really love teaching people in person. It's so much fun for me to just, you know, have that energy. You know, I teach a lot up at Stonewall Kitchen and Cooking School here in New York, York, Maine, right over the border. There's some other in-person teaching opportunities. And then I'll just keep sharing on my blog and on my social media channels. You know, once, like now that I'm kind of getting through this whole book process, I'm actually kind of looking forward to just posting some stuff for fun with that I, that has no, you know, no one else looking over my shoulder with a theme or a deadline kind of thing. So I've got some fun projects that I have in mind for Mother's Day and springy and summer kind of things coming up. That's awesome. Do you have any advice for aspiring authors, somebody out there who might want to do a cookbook or has some great idea? What do you think? Um, I think my best advice would be to write. That the more, for me personally, the more I write, the better I feel I am at it. So write anything, write emails to people, you know, write what you did that day. It doesn't have to be a project. It can just, it's just getting your words onto paper. And the, I always find that the more that I do that, the better. Sometimes if I have nothing to do, I will go on and just review things on Amazon because I'm like, what can I say about this? That's funny. What can I say about this? That's creative because it's kind of like, an, it's a completely no pressure outlet. Like no one's going <laughs> to judge what you've written on your like Swiffer review, you know? But it's just kind of a, a, a low key way to do that. And then if someone's really serious about it, I would say to find a literary agent, to find an agent who works with authors in the in the field that you're in and that, you know, manages or, you know, works with people who have books that look like the kind of book that you want to write so that, you know, you're in the right company. You know, I think that's such an important key. And I know it's been a huge key to the the wonderful things I've been able to work on. Awesome. Well, thank you, Erin. This has been so fun. Thanks for 
distracting your kids and <laughs> not minding my kids walking in here. And <laughs> thanks for taking the time today. And your book is is just obviously, I mean, not just for the fact that everybody is at home and happens to be baking at the moment, but in general is a great concept and it's just so awesome. So thanks for oh, thank coming on. I, I appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun, you know, being able to chat with you here. So thanks okay. for having me. You too. Okay. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> thanks so much. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Advice Monday on the July Book Blast. I know that some of these were from the quarantine and some might seem even old, even though they've just come out, but I just had to get them out in one big sweep. And I hope that you've gotten some useful life tips as you've listened today. Thanks again for listening to my podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. If you liked this episode, please follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books and sign up for my mailing list at zibbyowens.com so you can always hear about the latest things I'm up to. Thanks a lot. Thanks so much to Page One Books for sponsoring today's episode. I hope you'll all check out my summer beach bundle at pageonebooks.com. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Thanks for listening. You could always email me at zibby at zibbyowens.com. Thank you.